if I would be right now talking about Iran and I would plan to go back to my country, I would get arrested. These guys are dictators. They are dictating us rather than being a good leader. I can openly and freely talk about it because I'm never going back to my country. I'm really hoping that there could be change. What's up, guys? Today we've got a, uh, one of the most successful uh, female poker players around, and she's got a very impressive, um, a very impressive uh, career. Not just in poker, but she's uh, uh, a serial entrepreneur. Um, she's got a property portfolio. Portfolio. A um, so she's a self-taught magician. Miss Global Fitness, two thousand sixteen. Miss Power Woman, 2017, uh, motivational speaker and philanthropist, uh, Malika Razavi. Uh, thank you for coming on. Um, hello to the, all the audience and thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, that is quite a uh, portfolio, I think is the word. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, uh, where did your career actually begin? Was it with poker or was it with something else? Or uh, I know you were born in Iran and you're, um, you're Iranian South African, um, which is very interesting mix. Uh, so yeah, tell, uh, tell me a bit about how your career began, because I know that they are, that poker and gambling are banned there. So that might have caused, you know, a couple issues, uh, yeah, so how, how did this all start? So going back in time, if I have to think how everything started was uh, from my mother moving out of Iran. She basically uh, decided that she's going to leave the country and uh, come to South Africa. Um, uh, back in the days in Iran, it was so, um, how can I explain, getting a divorce, it was like almost forbidden. Like if you get a divorce, then no one wants to look at you again. Even your family would disown you sometimes. So my mom made that decision and um, she divorced my dad. She came to South Africa. Um, and after six years, I moved to South Africa. I think that's where my path uh, started. My life actually started after moving from Iran. As a woman in Iran, you are not allowed to do so many things. So I don't think if I was back in Iran, I would have the same life as I have right now. Um, I always loved playing with cards, um, always did magic, small little tricks with family and friends, always played with cards and played poker first time when I was nine years old uh, back in Iran with a group of my mom's friends. Um, Obviously, it was, you know, they, they taught me how to play po uh, poker. And when I was 16 um, in South Africa, I started playing home games with my friends. And I obviously realized how much passionate passion I have for this game and how much I love this game. Um, I started uh, traveling the world and performing magic first. And um, at some point I realized, you know what, I, I put everything behind me and I started pursuing poker. Okay. Wait, so you started out as like a, uh, a, a traveling magician. I, um, I performed for events and functions. Oh, okay. I don't know how much money there is in that, but that's kind of a cool job. Uh, I remember you actually showed uh, me a magic trick or showed the group a magic trick in Montenegro, I think. 
if that's correct. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty, it's not every day you see that. Uh, hard to forget. <laughs> um, yes, I, I did that. I love seeing people's reaction. One of the things that, you know, firstly is challenging and uh, I always, um, you know, loved watching people's reaction. I created my, uh, many magic myself. And um, that's what gets me going, just looking at how they react, especially as a woman when you're performing um, for people, they, they always think at the beginning, oh, okay, when you say you're a magician, they're like, okay, well, she could be good, or she's not, or she could be a disaster. But when you perform, they go like, wow, they don't know how to react. So that's the best part of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've been a... Uh... Uh, dabbling with it myself i'm no I, I don't know much at all i don't know anything actually but uh it's uh it's uh it's kind of funny to perform the the magic tricks and yeah like you said like the reactions uh i can see how the reaction the reactions are really something to worth the that are worth the effort um i can't think of any other way uh i like the um the spice to all that <laughs> it's very spicy path um can't think of any other way to put it uh it's fun so how do you switch from that to poker that seems like a really big switch like when i'm thinking of how to be a successful poker player well i don't know uh i could see how there's some crossover to that in magic but i'm not good enough in magic to really say uh it seems like a bit of a twist uh how did you manage to do that so both of them basically is cards, as I said. Um, I, in my mind, I'm playing with cards. Uh, I love poker. I was playing home games with my friends. Obviously, when starting it off, I was so bad. Um, I just knew the rules, and um, I was just, like, trying to win. I didn't know, didn't have the knowledge that I have to study about poker, that there is something called a study, you know, just... Um, I learned when I was nine years old, just knew it. And people um, here, some of my friends, they never studied. They were just playing at home with their friends. When I got into it and I realized, actually, there is a studying behind it, I got more interested. Um, and it took off from there, you know. It, it was just something, I mean, I, I, until today even, my biggest passion in life is poker. Yes, I do businesses on the side. I travel. I do many different things. But my number one thing is poker. I never get tired of it. I'm always playing. Um, even when I travel, I play live events, um, the, you know, the tournament. And after tournament, I'm jumping into the cash game playing. I just don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's traveling pretty well. I um, Are you traveling like the WPTs and these circuits and stuff? Because there's all kinds of events everywhere. Um, and presume there are events in South Africa too. There's probably a couple in the, the Middle East as well. I mean, obviously not Iraq, unless uh, there's some secrets there. Or, I don't know. But uh, are you traveling to all those events as well? Yes. I mean, I go to EPTs and um, I was in Cyprus recently and Triton was there. And uh, that was my first event that I played. I think I saw you there too. You were playing uh, the same event. Uh, you were wearing uh, <laughs> different type of outfits, which I really find interesting. <laughs> so I played uh, my first Triton event this year, actually in Cyprus, which I 
really love um i figured out you know like this this event is something amazing i haven't seen something like that before in all different you know um tournaments that i have been to and all the events that i have been to it was really amazing so yes i do travel and play live events uh, okay i was i was just thinking of like some of the smaller events especially um there's a bunch of smaller events that are just scattered throughout um everywhere base basically uh maybe um i used to play um some of the events in south africa actually many people don't know about this but the events in south africa is very good <laughs> very good. so um uh, and they have a buying up to ten thousand dollars which is a high stake and um so many people don't know about it and so so many people don't know about South Africa, when you talk about South Africa, people are like, South Africa, why are you living there? I'm like, do you Google? Do you, do you even like, do you understand the world? Do you, do you travel? So South Africa is one of the most beautiful. I, I don't know if you've been to South Africa or not. It's one of the most beautiful countries. Um, I've, I've actually lived there for a couple of months and I uh, I played an eight, uh, what is it? WBT Alpha 8 there. Okay, in Johannesburg. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you haven't been to Cape Town. Yeah, I, I lived there for a couple of months. Are you in Cape Town? Wow, that's amazing. So you know what I'm talking about, and I'm yeah. talking about how beautiful the country is. Yeah. And so there is events, you know, uh, there is a small events that's happening in South Africa, which is really good. So if viewers are viewing this and they want to visit South Africa, they can combine poker and visiting South Africa would be great. All right, cool. Uh, yeah, I um, I imagine it's bigger now. Uh, I remember that it's been around for many years, and I do remember. I can I can also affirm that South Africa is very beautiful, not just Cape Town. Uh, the only thing is, it's a little hard to get to. That was why I actually moved away. But definitely, I mean, I personally would go back to play poker, especially if there's like there's like poker in other parts of Africa too. Uh, I don't know if there's too many tournament series is i know there's there there was one in morocco um i don't know i haven't really looked into it too much but i knew there was like poker going on in the gambia uh places like this maybe senegal as well uh there's a little secret private game going on there maybe you know a bit about these private african games or uh not really. I haven't really traveled in Africa to play poker, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really uh, not that common of a thing to do. I would just think that you would probably know about these sorts of games, actually. I have been invited to few games, but I wouldn't say a lot, but uh, I've been invited to few games, but I, I just didn't find it interesting enough to go oh okay i think uh yeah that surprises me a little bit actually i would think you'd have like quite some access um what did your family think of your career path and choices uh must have been interesting for your parents i think because or were they very open-minded uh because like poker is just like such a crazy career path you know after um, at least in the midst of like being uh, among Iranians and that kind of thing is my guess. I don't know. Uh, 
well, it's a very unusual thing for Iranian women to do. I haven't known any other Iranian uh, woman poker player. Um, as you know, gambling is forbidden in Iran. So that's the government. Um, obviously, I think if I was, you know, had a different family, maybe it could have been a bigger issue. Uh, my mother, she's very liberal. She studied metaphysics. Um, she's very open-minded. She's very spiritual. She was my biggest supporter all the way. Um, right. Yes. So it's very uh, odd for Iranian a mother to be supportive so, as uh, for you know for such a thing as their daughter they want always their daughter to be a doctor or lawyer you know that's the path that all the family wants their kids to go basically yeah um i chose this this is very like um interesting um i always said to myself i don't want to be a follower, I want to be a leader. Since I was young, I was always seeing myself as a leader. I, I never followed what everybody told me. I was always very different. Back in Iran, I was in a theater, I was doing Kung Fu, I was playing volleyball. You know, it was very different for a woman to be doing all of that. You know, at, back in that, uh, that time, going to a theater, it was like a no-no for a family to let their young, daughters to go to a theater mixed with men um so it was i always just pushed through and did what i wanted to do and i always said i am going to do something that i don't have to wake up in a specific time in the morning because i'm not a morning person and i'm very open about it i have to wake up in the morning have to go to work work for somebody else and you know and poker was Poker was when I got obviously introduced to poker more and more and more. I realized this is my biggest passion. I can actually sleep late, uh, you know, have my own time when I want to play the poker. I play it when I, whenever I want to. You know, it was it 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 worked with who I was basically. It matched me so perfectly with my personality. I like challenges. I like to always win at everything that I do. So it. It's um it was the best thing that I ever chose for myself and my family. Um, I can't say my entire family, but my mother and my brothers was, you know, supportive with that. Well, it's great that, that you had a supportive family members, and yeah, especially it does sound very unique in Iran. Uh, especially very fortunate. Being um, a magician, he is also that. <laughs> um. That's sort of why I chose it myself, although I wasn't uh, as ambitious as you were, um, at least at first. I mean, I, as it so happens, in fact, I started to become interested in many similar things that you are doing, uh, such as Kung Fu, in fact. But um, maybe for, well, I, I'll ask where that interest came from in a second. My uh, question that I have in my, mind for you is how are you... Uh, you know, because poker gives you all this freedom if you're going to do all these things, I presume you have to find some kind of way to organize them because you're not only doing, um, well, it doesn't, uh, I don't know if you're still doing something like Kung Fu or volleyball now, but if you're going to like give speeches and also become a serial entrepreneur and things like that, you have to have some level of organization. Um, and also that's like quite a lot to balance around, especially while traveling. I'm at, uh, so I'm curious how you're managing to do that. 
It's a very good question. So when I say I'm not a morning person and I want to do whatever I want to do with my time, it's, it's true that um, what you said, it's very difficult to organize and put everything in one place. It took me some time to be able to manage it, uh, but I'm managing it completely perfectly. So I'm I'm very happy with what I do. It's, uh, you know, it is difficult to be, for me, it was difficult to fall, fall into the pattern, but when I did, it just worked out for me. Um, what do you mean the pattern? Is there um, like some level of routine or structure to how you live or is it okay? Yes, yes. So, you know, I exercise regularly. I do my business meetings and everything. So I managed to fit everything for the times that I'm comfortable with. It's not that I have to. So let's say my day will only start after 11 when I've done everything that I want for myself. And then I will do the rest after 11. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Cool. I mean, I used almost a bit of a different method. I found that traveling, especially, I found it not that hard to balance while staying in one place. I found it to be much, much easier than while traveling specifically. Traveling just through this like massive corkscrew cork for me to like get everything organized and that kind of thing. I'm still figuring that out actually. I think traveling is more difficult for me because when I'm I'm traveling, I cannot, uh, you know, there's so many things happening. There's so many games going on that you did not plan to play. And, you know, that, that is more difficult to, you know, to be organized when you are traveling and playing poker. But when you're in, set in one place, obviously, it's, you know, your routine and what you have to do and whatnot. Okay. Okay. So we can both at least agree traveling was tough um i personally had assistance help and manage my schedule and things like that because it was just like uh and then just find ways of like getting everything work working together and using some creative scheduling to a degree but i'm still getting used to it myself um i want to well let me uh can you catch me up to speed what exactly are you working on now because you were doing Sounds like when you were uh, younger, at least you were doing volleyball and kung fu. You were you were self taught magician. I don't know. Are you still doing gigs for magician as being a magician? Uh, I know you're also a qualified personal trainer. Um, seems like quite a lot of effort as well. Uh, you're yeah, you know, you're going to the gym too. Uh, uh, that's you know like a good daily habit. Are you also still managing businesses and managing your own properties? Are you still competing in beauty pageants and that kind of thing? So uh, with volleyball and kung fu, volleyball I play sometimes. So no, I don't really uh, follow that anymore. Um, with, you know, personal training, I studied the sports science because I wanted to do something for myself and have that knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I never worked as a personal trainer. I have the knowledge and I wanted to study that. Uh -huh. Um I do um, exercise regularly um, with the property. Yes, that's what I'm pursuing more at the moment in South Africa. Oh, okay. That's what I'm busy with, yes. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, there may be quite some money in that too. Um, is there any story around uh, the beauty pageants that you participated in? Beauty pageants, in? I started obviously in 2016. My first beauty pageant was Miss Global, where I won the Miss Global Fitness. Obviously, I was exercising 
uh, I was exercising about five hours every day Whoa. at that time, which was very, it was quite intense. Um, so I pursued the beauty pageant thing. And in 2017, I was announced Miss Power Woman World, which took place in Punta Cana between 30, uh, three different countries, women gathered around and we did that. Um, I was playing poker at that time and I found pageant to be too much for me, too much of an effort. And, you know, I didn't enjoy what was going on you know, behind the scene in the pageant, to be honest. So that's why I just decided not to do it anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I think I know what you mean. I didn't really think of that, but um, at least you got a couple. Eh, you got, you, had a, you won a couple. So congratulations. Um, Thank you. As I said, I'm very competitive. Um, I always like to win. So if I do something in my life, I will try to do it in the best of my ability to make it perfect so i've done like two two of the pageants that i've done i i won but as i said it was a very different path than my i'm very spiritual so it was not in, in i was not in tune with it it was not good for my energy so that's why i left sure sure it makes a lot of sense uh yeah it's too bad it feels like it shouldn't be that way um I uh, I had no idea it's like five hours of exercise daily and that kind of thing. I didn't realize it was like that much work. Uh, I mean, I guess being beautiful is tough, a lot of work. You got to like, you know, you got to be in top shape and have the perfect makeup and have the perfect posture and whatever. Is that right? <laughs> I guess so. Yes. You know, um, you're talking about the pageant, correct? Yes. being being part of the pageant yes you might obviously you must look at what you eat and exercise uh, i didn't exercise five hours a day by the way to go to the pageant i was okay. doing it just because i was obsessed with exercising i was just exercising oh. every day that was my routine yes <laughs> that was a routine for me but when i say i was uh it was not for me i'm not saying like because of how i had to look or because of you know it's just a vibe that is there it's just what the vibe that it creates between women uh, that jealousy vibe that creates between the women and how they go on about it behind the scene it's not what you see in like you know chocolate and chocolate and roses and how everyone looks so beautiful what's going on behind there is completely different than I mean, I talk about it, maybe I get criticized why I'm talking about this and people might not be happy that I'm saying this, but it's a lot different what's going on in the background. Yeah, I mean, it can I if it's like anything remotely similar to the entertainment business in Hollywood and these kinds of places, I, uh, I can imagine like it's just never, you only see the pretty side of things, I guess. Uh, that's exactly. a good comparison. Okay. And I like, you know, my peace. I like to always have peace. And, you know, I don't like dramas. So I'd always try to tend, like, to move away from dramas wherever there is a drama. I don't want to be involved. So it, it was not good for me. So, uh, I mean, I'm not against it. There's many girls, they love doing it. And good luck to them. But it was not for me. Okay. Uh, peace sounds pretty good to me. That's it. Um, so let's talk about um, 
seems like championing women and uh and empowering them uh in south africa and uh throughout the world is very important to you uh speaking of which the um you know there's this current thing going on in iran um, well i've seen you post quite a bit on instagram about that um mm -hmm. are you taking a more active role than that um what's the importance of that to you so um going to iran it's a very you know uh, big topic um i can openly and freely talk about it because i'm never going back to my country uh, as i mentioned that before um, if I would be right now talking about Iran and I would plan to go back to my country, I would get arrested and you you wouldn't know again or you might never hear you wouldn't hear from me again. That is the Iranian government. Um, I talk about it openly and I motivate a lot of women because I came from that country. I, I was raised in that country. So I know what women are going through. And I decided to be the voice. Now that I have the platform, now that I can show the world what's going on in Iran, I am doing the best as I can. Um, right now, as you know, there's a lot of protest against the Islamic Republic of Iran for 44 years now. The dictators of Iranian regimes are um, dictating people. If you're a woman in Iran, you're not allowed to ride a bicycle. You're not allowed to ride motorbike. You're not allowed to go to the stadium. You are not allowed to sing. Hmm. Basically, you're not allowed to live. So yeah. Yeah, they have yeah. a morality police standing on the side of the road. Can you imagine as a woman, you're walking on a street, you're fully covered and you're wearing a lip, uh, red lipstick and they tell you why your makeup is too much and you have to remove it right now. And they take you to the morality police where they're based and then they have these classes. They take you from the street and they take you to these classes oh, geez, for two hours. And you get beaten up, you get disrespected in front of everybody. It's just what they do to the mind of these people, it's it's not okay. You know, it's not good. I mean, there is no human rights. And uh, about 40 days ago, today is exactly 40 days that Masa Amini, the 22-year-old the Iranian girl, with her family was visiting Tehran and the morality police arrested her in front of her brother and she was fully covered, she had a job. They arrested her and then they said to her brother, come after two hours after the class and you can take your sister. After two hours, when they went there, they she was announced brain dead. They took her to the hospital and she was announced brain dead. She was beaten to the point that she was brain dead. That's insane. This boils my blood. And this is not just one thing. And now Iranian governments are coming out saying that she had a history of brain injury. And we did nothing to her. They're always covering up for everything that they do. They have shot over 300 people in Iran. This is what they're saying. If you hear they they uh, saying 300 people, you know it's 3,000 people. They shot people in cold blood in the streets of Iran just because they are protesting peacefully. Hmm. Um, a few days ago in Berlin, there was over, I think about over 80,000 people were on the street. I'm not sure if you saw it or not. 
there was 80,000 people, over 80,000 people, Iranian on the street, chanting against the Iranian government. And the Iranian government comes to the Iranian news and saying, putting, putting all of these people on and saying, this is Iranian news, telling people, yes, in, um, in Germany, people are protesting because of a fuel price that has gone up. This is what they've been feeding to people for the past 44 years. You know, and obviously since all the social media is happening and people are understanding more, they're realizing these, these guys are dictators. They are dictating us rather than being a good leader. So hopefully, I'm really hoping that there could be change. They are killing kids. They have they have gone to the uh, school, uh, the, you know, the primary schools and they have beaten kids just because they're chanting against the government there was um, a kid i think it was a 12 year old girl last week she died due to the police beating her inside the school where the kids have to be safe and she died due to internal bleeding i mean can you imagine we living in the 21st century and they go the morality police they go to the school and they beat kids Yes. And they kill them. This is pretty horrible. This does explain why there's these intense revolts and all these kinds of things. I mean, we I didn't, have I didn't so like, much I'm anger. Like... You know, there is no more emotion. We just have so much anger in Iran. People have people are angry, but as soon as they go to the street, they kill them. They shot them to death. They they you know. It's sad to say they arrest these teenagers, the girls, 18-year-old, they raped them. Hmm? For, there was a girl that she was arrested for eight days and she was murdered by the morality police, by the Iranian government. And they came to the TV because people now were devastated. They came to the TV and the, the news said, yeah, she committed suicide. She was missing for eight days. She committed suicide. She jumped off the building that was... And what they do to their... The, to the poor family, they bring them to the TV and they force them to speak against them their, their, themselves. Otherwise, they're going to they threaten them that they're going to kill their family members. That's how they do it. Um, but last week, the same, they burn one of the biggest prison in Iran. They set it on fire and they burn people alive. And they said they did it themselves. So there is so much to talk about. There is so much for me to say, um, you know, about my country, about this beautiful woman that they don't want this. If you remember about 40, 40 days ago when all of this started, it was started with, with women that they had enough, that they don't want to be quiet anymore. So I use my platform on Instagram and wherever I can right now on your show to talk about them, to say how brave these women are knowing that they can get killed and shot and raped and be present. They still go to the street and chant against the Islamic dictator. Well, yeah, it is brave. I mean, they're standing up against uh, all this kind of corruption. They know the kind of, know the kind of prices that can, you know, can uh, know it can happen to them. I mean, this is admirable for sure. Well, I'm happy that uh, happy that something's being done. I knew like it was very serious, but I didn't know like the details of 
I mean, look at it this way. The Iranian government are hating on America and Israel and chanting, they're taking kids forcefully out of a school to chant against America, death to America, death to Israel. That's what they they feed kids in their mind when they go to school. I was one of them. I was a victim of that, you know, and they built such a thing around America. But I asked this question, why is their own kids and family members are living in America freely? Why do they have a green card of America and they're living there with Iranian old money? They steal the money. Their kids are living in America. They don't wear a job. They wear bikinis when, when they are on a beach. They are living fine. But when it comes to their own people, the same government that's sitting up there and their kids are living in another country, they shoot and kill other people's family members just because of the hair is showing. If that is not dictatorship, then what is? Yeah, that is beyond insane, obviously. It's sad. Um, I mean, I was having this conversation the other day with my friend. The whole world is knowing about Iran right now. It's the first time. It's been happening for the past 10 years that people go to the street and chant and they get killed and murdered and then they go quiet. Um, but this is the first time that is happening for over 40 days that people are on the street every day. It's the first time that the whole world heard us, acknowledged what was happening in Iran. But is it enough to just get acknowledged? Is it enough that for American president to say we are behind Iran or Ukraine, for example. Everyone just say we are behind it, but is anyone actually doing anything about it? No. The only thing that we doing, I always say, it's only Iranian people that can save themselves. The whole world can be watching, the whole world can be saying, we are praying for you, we are behind you, but in actual fact, they don't, they're not doing anything. What are you suggesting? Not anything to help. What should they be doing? So, firstly, uh, in America, they should send the, the the dictatorship's family members in Canada, in America, in all the different European countries. They should send the family members of dictators back to their country. If Iran is such a great country that they saying Iran is great then why they don't live in their own country? They should stop let, letting these dictators move from Iran themselves and living abroad. They should send Iranian government. Iranians shouldn't have any embassies in other countries. They should, they should, um, what do you call it? Um, right. Sorry? Sanctions? Yes. To force them, it, to break them, to break the regime down with their power that they can, but they don't. You know why? Because it doesn't benefit them. It doesn't benefit America or um, European countries or majorities of countries around Iran for Iran to have a revolution. And it would be a question to ask why it wouldn't benefit them because they would rather have these mullahs who have no education, who have nothing to know about any anything to rule these people, to have a Middle East, Iran called, they could call them a um, terrorist regime where they could create all this war and make all the money from war. 
keep the countries on their toes and thinking, oh, Iran could do something crazy. Iran is a, is a terrorist country and all of this. It benefits them. If Iran, if Iranian regime would change now, I could guarantee you in the next 10 years, Iran would be one of the best countries in the world. We have the best, I mean, if you look at Sharif University, is the same as going to Harvard. Those, those students going to Harvard, Iranian um, um, people are very, very educated. The best heart surgeons, brain surgeons are from Iran in the world, if you Google it. So if the regime would change, Iran would become one of the best countries in the world after a few years. And everybody knows that. People, people like me, people, so many other people, we would go live back in our own country. Iran is a beautiful country runs by, uh, runs by a wrong government. So um, emotional when I talk about it. So I, if, if I'm... Uh, going on too much, you should just stop me. There is so much to talk about it. I want to hear some of the details. Uh, and it's interesting to me. Uh, you found the guy that's interested in this kind of stuff. Um, I mean, it is really something we take for granted in the first world, all this stuff going on in other countries, um, where uh, just totalitarian governments use religious doctrines to manipulate. Um, really sad, actually. But uh, yeah, I mean, it always, it, it does seem like it really stifles a lot of progress from what I can tell. And I don't believe in that kind of stuff. So I'm happy to hear about it. I mean, that's kind of why I made this whole channel was to talk about, was hopefully to help create some kind of social change. It's a little bit complicated. Uh, definitely the idea of sanctions. I mean, it is kind of pathetic for people. I mean, I personally hate when people and, you know, countries are just bigger to people basically uh they say one thing and then they don't follow through with it like the follow through matters like 10 times more than the than the words and uh yeah sanctions i would have thought would be like the first thing to be done um but i was curious because i didn't know what to do sanctions is a very common thing that countries use to uh punish other countries it's what we're doing to russia um but yeah continue uh, I didn't. I didn't. I must. Know. I must just correct myself when I say like um, when I said they're not doing anything about it. I didn't mean people. I mean the government. The people are. We appreciate there are so many people take time. Singers, actors talked about Iran, which obviously brings awareness. That helps to brings awareness. But the governments from other countries talking about it and saying we are standing with the women of Iran. We are standing behind the people of Iran. Just by talking, nothing is going to be solved. Action makes change. Mm -hmm. Action speaks louder than what you say. So um, I'm all about that. If if they would do that, it would put pressure, major pressure in the family members. Because if they don't have anywhere to go, if they don't have escape, I mean, it can make a big difference. Right now, they... Um, I don't know what um they they take the Ali Dai. It's the one of the best soccer players. He was one of the best soccer players in the world, and right now they has they have taken his passport so he cannot go out of Iran. So many actors and uh, activists and writers they have taken their 
their passports so they cannot go out of Iran. So they're basically making Iran a big, very big prison. Why, why are you not letting people out? So you know you have made hell in the country. That's why you don't want to punish them. You don't let the people out of your country. Yeah. That's the way of their punishing people. They take their passport, they prison them. They're kind of like, it sounds like they're kind of like hanging themselves or I don't know what the saying is, like kind of dragging the people with them because they're panicking. For 44 years, that's what they've been doing. And yeah. as, as I said, more and more, our generation uh, was in between the generation now and the one before, the one before created the revolution. I don't know why. We always have this question, why people went against the Shah of Iran? And, um, you know, it's all politics. It's all politics. Well, that's too bad. Is there um, is there anything else that can be done besides raise awareness and hope that governments listen and take... Um, uh, and like create sanctions i think that that would that's the only thing that they can do right now obviously not creating wars no but the only thing that people can do right now in iran it's it's them who can save themselves it's them that can go against the government and speak for themselves nobody else can help you even as an individual nobody can ever help you but yourself if you have the right mindset, if you know that you are being ruled by a dictatorship and if you accept to take it and you accept to live by it, this is the result. They shot a woman dead while she was driving. She was not even in a protest. She was driving. Mm. So you're not going to be safe. If you're sitting at home and you're not doing anything about it and you're hoping that other people are going to do something for you, there's, there's never going to be any change. So the hope, for my hope is the people of Iran to be together, to stand together, and to fight together. Okay. Well, I hope that hope that something good happens with it. I hope somehow this gets resolved in some kind of good way. I feel like I'm kind of curious, actually. I've, I've started to look at more, more history, and I've been interested... Partly for this reason, I'm always curious of how these sorts of situations do resolve themselves. Um, I mean, I imagine, as you were saying, it was something that was like um, in the making for a while. I it, um, And um, I, I remember also, I've read in the past a bit about Iran. It does seem like, you know, there's been at least a, it seems like there's been a few ages where Iran was one of the most, uh, you know, the most advanced uh, civilization in the world or was a very powerful civilization. I mean, history is very interesting, actually, if you look at it. It's sort of like looking at the hand histories of poker, but it's actually more interesting, as I found. Um, there's no way to, like, you know, history tends to repeat itself. Uh, but, uh yeah, it seems like before any real change happens, there tends to be some kind of like revolts. Um, looking at similar sorts of situations, but but at least that means it at least suggests that there will be a positive outcome to all this. I I don't really know. That's me just guessing. What are your thoughts? 
So as you said, back in the days when the Shah of Iran was in Iran, Iran was one of, was one of the very advanced countries. People wanted to go to Iran for holidays. Our passport was, you know, in the top numbers in the world. And um, that's why I say Iran and Iranian people has have the potential to be on top. And that's why I say that if the revolution happened within a few years, Iran will be one of the advanced countries. Um, obviously, a leader as Iranian, he's he's an Iranian leader, Khamenei's Iranian leader. Khomeini was the guy who came to Iran and made the revolution. He never been to a cinema. He never went to a park. He never educated. He had no education. He had nothing to know and he came to lead a country hmm. yeah, for someone yeah. so uneducated to lead a country you can just imagine what can happen for 44 years there is nothing but devastation nothing but ruining a country nothing there is nothing they have done but ruining a country was it nepotism that got him involved that got him uh elected or or just some kind um, of like military coup or what was it he was living in france <clears throat> Khamenei. he never been anywhere but to france he was living in that's the only thing he has done being on a plane that's honestly this is what he has been done just being on a plane coming so to me and what i understand <clears throat> is that this was planned this was a plan beyond our understanding with different governments. I don't want to really go into the details. Um, you yeah. know, in different countries, they had planned, they had planned this because <clears throat> the king of Iran, he was he was very powerful, he was a very powerful man. And many countries did not like this. They wanted him out. So for for in order for them to get him out, <clears throat> excuse me. They had to come with a master plan, and they they did a great job. I mean, I must say they did a great job ruining a country. But now people want their life back, and a lot of people would say, "Well, it wasn't any country that wanted the change; it was the people of Iran wanted the change." Yes, it was the people of Iran being brainwashed that they wanted the change. Well, that's. Yeah, it's too bad. Sometimes these kinds of the media can be used in these crazy ways. Like it sounds like what happened. Uh, I mean, this is just from my understanding. Is I guess other governments uh, somehow were able to manipulate the public into electing someone who who they could control that didn't have a clue, didn't care, that kind of thing. But the thing is, it backfired because they thought um they could control but it went out of control and the islamic republic became so powerful in iran they were not supposed to be leaders for this long they just wanted the shah to be out of iran so it went out of control the islamic republic got power they they put compulsory hijab iran iranian women they never had a hijab when when the shah was there we we were you know, we were like European countries. We had nightclubs. Alcohol was uh, legal in the country. Um, they had free education. So why 
people in a country they would go against a Shah of Iran, they had free education, hospitals free, everything for them was there. Why they did that? No one can really answer. No one has. And when we ask people, you know, to the grandparents or people that they know, were you one of those people on the street that always say no? So no one accepts <laughs> that they actually created the re revolution because they know they messed up. <laughs> This whole situation sounds super frustrating. Yes, it is. It is. And many people, they didn't know about Iran because as, as you were, even you made a mistake, like Iran and Iraq, they, they so many people think it's very similar, yet they are very different. We are very different than any Middle Eastern countries around us. Um, you know, as I said, uh, they have all, you know, we want change, not because people are talking about hijab and Iranian government saying, oh, Iranian women, they just don't want to wear hijab and they want to uh, be naked. Exactly their word. They want to be naked, but they don't look at what they have done to the country uh, for for the past. For, there, there are doctorate students in Iran that they are selling ice creams on the side of the road. There are doctors that they have no jobs because it's not the, the country is not being run uh, great. They're just stealing money. So I'm just hoping that um, it can change. I don't want to like go over, over, over about the same thing that I'm talking about. I'm just hoping for change. I'm just hoping that people just wake up and stand together. Um, but in my mind, it's like kind of similar. Doing the right thing and playing poker might be like, making the right decision in poker and justice might be similar in the sense of like, if you do the right thing, maybe it pays off for you and like some kind of like hypothetical future, whereas it's kind of similar in poker where you don't really know if you're really going to get paid and you like think you made the right choice, but you don't really, you don't know when it's going to happen and then just have to have to believe if that makes sense. Yes, exactly. I, I, I agree with you on that completely. Just one step in the right direction. Yeah. Oh. It can change. Hmm? It can change a lot. Yeah. Are there other ways in which you are empowering women? Are you uh, also giving motivational speeches in South Africa? Um, I know you did a uh, generational wealth uh, education school tour this past summer um was that also part of empowering women or that or was that just uh empowering the youth on the whole yes it's more uh that specifically is more empowering of youth uh obviously i do have uh, i did regularly before uh right now i'm like super busy with so many things that i do before i did a lot of motivational speaking for women especially but, and at the same time for youth in the universities and colleges in South Africa. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, I happen to believe in uh, uh, um, effective altruism type things and especially education. Uh, as it turns out, uh, educating women actually benefits, uh, tends to create more of a benefit than educating men. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is at least true in um 
uh more in like I, I don't know exactly which which areas this is true i think this is more in like third and second world countries but i'm not 100 sure they might like change a bit so uh i mean i'm also uh you know i i focus more on children but i'm happy to empower women as well especially if it actually creates more benefit to the economy um i do think uh I do think women's rights in a lot of the rest of the world that we're not really well, maybe not you, but like me as a guy who's mostly in first world places is not really a, well, most first world people just aren't really aware of like how women in, and these uh, not like super wealthy countries just like don't have rights basically or don't have all the rights a lot of the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, education is one of those things that uh, definitely can be lacking for well, I don't know to what extent it's lacking for the women, especially, but it's definitely lacking for the youth in these countries. But it might be also especially lacking for women just because of the rights difference. Yeah, I mean, in Iran, uh, I'm just saying Iran as a third world country, uh, Iranian women are very, very educated. Oh. You know, they're very educated. And that's why I think it takes a turn. Um, we have so many educated women and men in Iran without jobs, doctors, you know, there is so many that there are taxi drivers because they don't have jobs. So they, are, they become a taxi driver, they sell ice cream on the side. The last time I was in Iran, I can't go to Iran right now because I'm so openly talking about it. Everything that I do is forbidden in my country, everything that I've done. So the last time I was in Iran, there was a taxi driver who who was a PhD. Who had a PhD? He was a taxi driver. So I look at this, all these amazing, beautiful people, so educated, and yet they they cannot do anything. And they get suppressed. And if they talk, if they say anything, they get arrested. They put into prison. Uh, Iranian prison are, I think, is one of the the craziest thing. Is like the most educated people that right now in, in that are in prison. The actresses, actors, there are um, doctor, uh, University of Sharif students are in prison right now. Um, you know, it's it's insane that that the killers and the killers are actually standing outside shooting people and they are the ones that hopeless educated people are in prison what do we expect to happen in a country when it rules by uneducated governments that's what i was thinking this doesn't seem like a great long-term situation <laughs> it's um it's bad well and i hope it re resolves soon well, i really i really do yeah i really am well, I really do hope that it can resolve soon because Iranian people, they love poker. And I wanted to say Iranian people in Iran, they find ways always to play poker and they travel, you know, outside of Iran to be able to play poker. They love poker. That's so funny. I didn't even think of that that uh, potential. Well, there's a, I guess that's another added benefit. The Iranian poker boom post-revolution. Uh, <laughs> yes. 
Yes, definitely. I think it would become a hot spot for uh, traveling. If the revolution would happen, I would see uh, that part of the world, like Cyprus, Iran would have uh, definitely create they create a lot of casinos. They're like biggest gamblers and you know poker players are in Iran. I mean, Antonio Spandieri is um, he's Iranian originally. Hossein and Son, he's Iranian originally. Who? Hossein and Son. I, I don't know him, but I do. He's, uh, he's I, the winner of WSOP main event. Years ago. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I don't fall. I don't usually know the winners. Uh, there's a bit of a Persian scene in LA. There's a few people that are actually come to think of it. I do know uh, a chess champion who plays poker, who's female that uh is in LA, and I know like there's a few a few uh people that are like kind of interested in that sort of thing, and that are actors and producers and um in LA and that maybe they're like uh maybe they're following all the news and supporting things i think uh, one's like quite a well-known comedian this guy max max amini oh yeah you, you, you might know him yes yes he's a friend of mine okay he's uh we're friends too he's interested in poker although he doesn't like play professionally or doesn't like play actively i should say yes and he has been very um uh, openly talking also about Iran and, and the women of Iran and what's happening in Iran. Yeah, that's great. So uh, cool you guys are using your voices. Yes. It so goes hand in hand. We have to stand together, whether in Iran or out of Iran. As a matter of fact, I aspire to do something like that myself. I did want to use my voice to to help with these sorts of things. Uh, here's the podcast, etc. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. This actually, this pl platform helps me to, you know, when I talk about it, like it's so passionate to get my voice out for people to understand more what's happening in Iran and to hear us, to hear those people. I'm the voice for those women that they cannot be here today and talk and say what's happening to them they're getting tortured beaten killed raped um so uh, thank you thank you that uh, for this platform that i'm able that i was able to get my message across hopefully mm -hmm. yeah no problem happy to yeah. i wonder if uh i kind of hope the people of poker will see the parallel between like to me there's and I wanted to talk about this because it's not that obvious. There's a parallel between making the right decision in poker for the sake of EV and like uh, for some kind of desired outcome. And it's kind of similar also. I mean, I was talking about this earlier. It's similar also to the the set to pursuing like justice, et cetera, and that sort of thing. There's at least, uh, you know, if you look at um, many philosophies and uh, the messages in religion, um and if you think about things a lot like as i tend to do it seems i mean it's not really like no one really does it like expecting a payoff as far as i'm aware maybe like people expect it like who knows in some kind of future and it can be twisted as well obviously but uh it's a similar sort of principle to uh like maybe that would inspire some people in the sense of like you know you don't really take the the wealth you have with you it's 
some point it's just like it's just not worth anything it's just like essentially something imaginary it's like a long-term imaginary thing that creates like an emotion and the only thing that does really live uh after you uh after you die or the only thing only thing that lasts is the the good that you actually do the legacy so one thing that perhaps poker players can resonate with is the idea of like, well, you know, you can earn all this currency, all this money and whatever, um, but that doesn't last forever. The things that do last forever are experiences and the good that you create uh, afterwards. And that's kind of why I did all this, because I'm just like, well, what's or why I made the podcast and, you know, started going down this path because I was like, well, uh, I started seeing currency as like, well, what about like the kind the kinds of difference I can make? uh like why should it be ascribed to uh, a little bit of money a little bit more money or whatever um and like maybe maybe there's some incentive for poker players to see things that way because there is really like you know a lot of them have their own uh agendas but like there's like a possible way to align their agendas you know for the sake of something that's of the greater good so i hope uh that kind of idea resonates with some of the some of the viewers and um i've been thinking a bit about how to make a big difference myself um but yeah we'll see we'll see what happens with this i mean you are doing um you, you know you are making that difference already by just talking to me and talking to other people about their issues and their problems maybe in their countries you're helping so many kids as i see in Africa, so you are making a change. Um, you know, one step at a time in the right direction can change the future. Uh, so you are doing great, and I appreciate you taking time and talking about Iran in your podcast. I know it's like more about poker and poker players, but uh, it's great that you are, you know, you're lying my voice for the other poker players to actually hear our story mm-hmm. from Iran and what is happening in Iran right now. It's it's very important for people to hear it. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, well, the podcast is not just about poker and like poker can be in many ways be shown to be kind of an allegory of life. I think it would be a bit uh, presumptuous to say it might be an allegory of these sorts of situations. These are like far grander situations. You know, this whole the whole like corruption or revolt um, that whatever is in a poker game. Um, but, uh, you know, poker is just a game. And if you want to play like, be more involved in higher stakes things in life, I mean, the, the situation of Iran is a much higher stake situation, you could say, or much more like situation worthy of uh, attention and like trying to actually make the right decisions. Exactly. I agree. I agree. I mean, your point and how you look at it from a poker perspective, it actually makes sense. What's in the future for you? Uh, how, uh, how do you, well, I can see you're make, using your platform to make a difference. Do you have any other goals in mind when it comes to uh, helping empower women? Um, do you have any like big plans around that or to make a positive difference on the whole? 
Well, at the moment, I'm just doing as much as I can, uh, raising awareness, using my voice uh, to, um, you know, represent Iranian women and talk about them as much as possible. Uh, my time, you know, I, I don't have so much time uh, in my hand that is free. I'm doing so many different things, so many projects that I'm uh, busy with life and everything else. So at the moment, uh, this is all I can, um, that this is all I'm doing right now, social media, doing different podcasts, talking about it uh, in the news in South Africa, in a newspaper, you know, I'm doing as much as I can. But uh, right now, I, I don't have any plan to do any, any motivational speaking as such. Mm -hmm. um, as I'm more focused in my career with poker. Okay. Um, and there is another downside of being Iranian is to travel with the Iranian passport. I always had this problem, like coming to America, I was denied a visa during Trump ban. Um, you know, getting a sponsorship from any company, poker companies, is so uh, difficult because they say, well, you are Iranian origin and uh, you cannot represent uh, you know, our community or, you know, I've been in, in poker for quite some time now and I've have a WSOP bracelet and I have won a WSOP bracelet, but, you know, it's difficult because I feel in a way that it goes unknown and I don't get acknowledged as a poker player. And that's why I'm so grateful that you brought me into the podcast and interviewing me. Jeff Gross has done it. Uh, and more and more I'm getting acknowledged from people and they're realizing actually how um, bad it is to be an Iranian and you're a poker player and you, my hand is tied to do anything that I want in a poker world because I do want to also encourage women to pursue the dreams with poker. Um, and I've been doing that for quite some time too. Yeah, it, didn't, it, it makes a lot of sense as you're explaining it. I didn't even like put two and two together, but it, I could definitely see how it'd be very, very difficult uh, with the passport. And um, yeah, I didn't even think about sponsorships. I would think that you are like a pretty great sponsorship. Maybe you just have to wait for the events to turn around or that kind of thing. Uh, I would certainly be happy to see you uh, get a sponsorship and promote more women, more women, get more women involved in poker and, uh, uh, or just to empower them general to like you know, pursue their dreams, especially. Definitely. I mean, everything, I believe everything happens in the right time. I never uh, push for anything. I just think that if I'm doing the right thing right now uh, and I'm going to the right direction, everything else can, it will just eventually fall into place. I'm not going to push for a sponsorship with this and that and that. These are like bonuses on the side for me. I've been doing, I've been playing poker, you know, like sponsoring myself for all the big events that I play, except like the, the 200K that's the first time I played, I, I was uh, sponsored. So, uh, but all the rest of the events that I play, all this high stake, I stake myself and I sponsor myself. So, it would be a bonus if I get it, but I was just talking about obviously the downsides of uh, being Iranian as, you know, um, how the world uh, separates you just because you're Iranian. Then you cannot 
get a visa, uh, you know, easily, then you cannot travel easily and you cannot have this certain uh, categories as jobs that you want it, you want to have. Well, I hope it, I hope it all works out somehow. Um, seems like it, history has generally gone in a positive direction. Uh, we'll say it doesn't do a whole lot of good to force, try to force things beyond like a solid push or so. I'm curious, uh, I want to ask the question, is there a reason why you believe that everything will, uh, has its time and place? Or is that just how you feel about it? Well, yes yes i do and um, this is how i feel in my life because of my own life experiences and where i come from and everything that has happened in my life um i'm you know as i said i'm very spiritual i meditate i manifest i uh and everything that i have put my thought into it i have it has become a reality and i know how powerful your mind is as a tool and that's why I say, when I put my mind into something, it's going to get there. It's just a matter of time. So this is my personal thing, my personal belief. So may maybe so many will think differently. I work with the power of the mind. And whatever, you know, I had a conversation with Jeff Gross just a few weeks before I won the WSOP. And he asked me, how does it feel that you cannot come to America because of the visa issue that you had? And I said, you know, I missed the biggest um, opportunity that I had, I wanted to play the World Series of Poker back in the day. That was like the biggest thing I, everyone wants, that everyone wants to win uh, those type of events. And, um, and I said to him, I know I'm going to get there no matter what. Nothing is going to stop me from getting what I want. And a few weeks later, due to COVID, WSOP was held online. And I played the first event I played, I won the bracelet. So just knowing the power of your mind, putting that energy in every day, it's going to come to you one way or another. You just must allow the universe to just, to just believe, to just believe and allow the universe to do the work for you. Well, I hope you're right. Yeah, I think we hit a lot of good topics. Um I, I hope you're right about the whole manifesting thing, at least when it's aligned with the sake of the greater good. Or at least, if I mean, I personally think if it's not, it'll eventually crumble anyway. Um, this is one of these, like, one of my own personal philosophical ways of looking at things. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that is kind of a spooky story. I didn't know. Um, it's that's... not just, when I say, sorry for interrupting, it's not because I know we have less than a minute. So it's not just about saying, oh, I manifest and I let the universe bring it. No, I I do what I need to do and I manifest. Well, two gotta, and two go hand in hand. Yeah, you got to use the law, you know, law, you know how things work to make things uh, happen. Uh, yeah, you got to do stuff for sure. You can't just like <laughs> use the magic energy. Yes, you can't just sit and, and, and hope for the best and think, oh, okay, I'm manifesting, but it's not happening. It's not going to happen if you just sit down and manifest. Uh, you have to put effort and energy and work towards what you want also. So, um, yeah, thanks for uh, being on, Malika. Uh, we got to go, but if is there anything else you'd like to talk about or promote before you go? 
Um, this is um, very insightful to get your perspective. Well, to get um, uh, well, to get it's more it's more than perspective, but to get like more of like really what was going on in uh, Iran and for it to be told and expressed properly. Yes, thank you so much. I think we covered a lot. Um, I really appreciate you taking time and having me on your podcast. And um, hopefully there will be change and hopefully there will be peace in Iran. 100%. All right. Peace for everyone out there, guys. Let's work on this whole global peace thing. Start with Iran and at the poker tables. <laughs> the fucking tables. It's going to be a little easier. Uh, Iran, so for the best with Iran. Thank you very much.